What's up, everybody? Code Pen Radio number 351. This is going to be a deep technical issue about databases. This was huge for us. Not going to bury the lead. We switched. And as a matter of fact, if you go to Code Pen today, this is live. This is done. This is a complete project. Code Pen moved from MySQL to Postgres. And yes, I am saying that correctly. We watched a French gentleman say it on YouTube just moments ago. <laughs> it's a Postgres, even though it's always spelled Postgres with the SQL at the end of it, which makes you want to say PostgreSQL or something. But anyway, uh, I have with me Alex. What's up, Alex? Hey there. Um, and you did a lot of this work. I mean, of course, it was a team effort because everything we do is. But this was, uh, you know, you're the CTO. So this was square in your territory. We did it. Yeah, we we did. We, I'm a I'm a I'm an everyman CTO. So I did a lot of this work myself. This is, <laughs> don't let the title fool you. I, I was writing a lot of code to make this happen. Uh-huh. But yeah, it took the whole team, anyone who touched back end code from Rachel doing the review, D did the move with me, did a lot of the validation, Dale did a lot of the checks and writing Go code to make sure that the move was correct. Um, it took a lot of us and the whole team to test out the site when we moved to it. Um, yeah, yeah, you yeah. and Marie were helping put up messages, uh, warnings, advertise, you know, that we're going to be in read-only mode for an hour, that kind of stuff. So the, yep. this is not a small move. It's I consider it the biggest tech decision you'll make for your stack, other than your programming language, um, which you can choose many. But in database land, you like to choose as few as possible. So <laughs> yeah, the the good news is uh, CodePen's still up. I don't know if you've noticed lately. <laughs> we're we're still online, and this was pretty scary for me because uh, there is a small chance that we could lose data, and that's uh, I would consider that the cardinal sin of running a, a site for money is that you lose anyone's data and content. So we take that really seriously and we're able to avoid that step and, and make this a successful move. Yeah. 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 So it's so yeah, hopefully everybody feels good about that. This isn't super duper new. It's not like it happened yesterday. So we're recording this podcast like well after this move has settled in and has easily been successful. So the, the biggest thing that people are going to be curious about and that we have to talk about because we had to talk about this internally is the why. Like, why would this even come up at all? Why would you choose to move away from MySQL, bedrock of the internet, you know, certain tons of sites on it? I always associate it with WordPress, which powers half the freaking web or whatever, and that's how what it runs on whatever. Um, to, to choosing something else. You know, we can get, we have lots of angles to talk about, but we have to talk about the why. Why would we ever choose this kind of thing? And so I'm kind of curious, is it true that it's not even really that different? It's not like a total paradigm shift in databases, it's, is it? So it considers itself an object-oriented database management system, and that is a lot of words to say that it provides a lot of fancy, unique features on top of the standard SQL feature set that you expect. So whenever you have okay. a database, a relational database specifically, you expect it to provide certain features that it's called ACID compliant, which is it's atomic. It provides transactions. It gives you integrity. And I'm forgetting what the D is for, but 
Um, there's these certain expectations that you have that uh-huh. it's going to provide this certain value. And that's why we use a database because it gives you this certainty that my data is going to be correct if I follow all the standard practices of how to manage a relational database and I can back up, back up that data, I can query that data very easily. And so Postgres adds a lot of features on top of that. And for us, we were looking at solving some really complex problems. We're taking on the biggest project we've ever done at CodePen, something that kind of wraps up everything we've learned for the last eight years. We're super excited about it. And we're looking at the problems that we're going to be solving in the very near future mm-hmm. and considering how to solve those problems, what's the best solution. And so one of our driving principles whenever we're facing these large problems is something I call tech minimalism. Um, there's a great blog post on, on this called tech production minimalism. And this is something that it drives a lot of how we choose tools, how we add tech to our stack. It's not something we take lightly. You know, we we're a team of nine, we're a small team. Mm-hmm. And we don't have dedicated database managers. You're actually talking to the database <laughs> admin right now. Yeah. Um, and so we choose when we add things to our stack that we have to manage feed and look at securing all the time and, and make sure we're backing things up. Um, there's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of overhead that comes with these data stores. And so I made a list of some of the things that we're looking to have that we're looking to solve with Postgres in the near future or that we're currently using an alternative solution for that. I thought maybe we could consolidate that solution. And so, yeah, this is an interesting aspect of this, right? Cause there's the, there's the, we were on MySQL before and we'll move to Postgres. That's, that's a very like narrow slice of this story, right? Like there's a reason we pick Postgres is because it solves other needs too. Is that where you're about to go with that? Right. The, the idea that we could consolidate on this one piece of technology that would provide a very good or good enough solution, maybe not as good as if you just specialized with that technology. For example, Elasticsearch is best in class search. There are other solutions out there. Algolia comes to mind, which is an amazing solution. Mm -hmm. But for the purposes of what we've been doing, we've always used Elasticsearch. We have a little bit of knowledge in it. And in Elasticsearch is not a, it's a company, but what you're talking about is it's an actual technology. It's a database. Right. The tool, the, the Elasticsearch tool. Yeah. That's a data store. And so every time we save something to MySQL, we send it over Elasticsearch, Elasticsearch indexes it, then we can search it. Right. Right. So now we're using MySQL and Elasticsearch to different tools. Two completely different tools that we pay completely different servers. We manage that data. We secure that data. We back up that data, all the things right, associated right with managing a data store. And so Postgres has text search. It is not quite what Elasticsearch is. There are some features there. There are some things that you have to do to make it performant. But we were looking at, should we get a much larger database and run everything through our Postgres database? Or should we just keep two data stores? And so the answer we came up with was, if we could consolidate our search with Postgres and keep our relational database in the same thing, that's just a whole slew of tools and custom code that we don't have to maintain. It just goes away. 
Wow. It just magically goes away. It's kept in sync by Postgres. And when we back up the data, when we secure the data, when we give people permissions or have to give someone access to that data, it's all in the same place. And that was too good for us to pass up, considering that our needs for search are not, we, we weren't taking advantage of the depth that Elasticsearch gives us already. So, and it's not kind of one of the things that we want to focus on. If we want a search that works really well, that can be improved over time, but at the same time, that isn't the management doesn't require the management that yeah, it doesn't add a warehouse of complexity for, for a team of nine which we can't do so that's that's what you're talking about with tech minimalism right like this is kind of a good enough tool maybe it's not the absolute best in class but for us removing this wheelbarrow of complexity is just great for us yeah it's it's huge and you know similarly we've been looking at storing analytics inside of CodePen. So which solves a whole slew of problems, right? Like if you think about the idea of like things like GDPR, where you're, you have to disclose and get rid of data when users ask you to get rid of data, we can do that. We know that it's not being shared anywhere. CodePen doesn't sell data to any other third parties, but we don't, we just have to kind of agree that when if we send it to another data store, that those things are being locked down, that those those data stores aren't being exploited. And so if we wanted to manage things like analytics data, we could do that stored in another data store, or we could just use just Postgres use as Postgres. a data store. Yeah. And for analytics. And so I, you know, at, at the time I was very excited about Clickhouse, which is this awesome, super fast. Uh, column nurse store analytics purpose built for analytics database um, and I'm a bit of a magpie I love tech and I love tech solutions and all the things open source and so that was something I was really excited about but the reasonable part of me says like let's store everything in Postgres and our analytics needs are very simple they're very straightforward so when we build our analytics tooling it will be inside of Postgres Yep. And there's, so there's more things on this list. There's this, you know, this queuing thing we call SQS that we use that actually Postgres can handle as well. There's the fact that somehow this blows my mind, but Postgres can be a, like uh, an asset store as well, like for media files and such. I have no idea how that works, but apparently that's a thing. Yeah. That, that's a feature we're exploring and it's a feature that they, they have internally where like, we use S3 to like if you upload images and, mm-hmm. and things like that. Uh, as a pro user, we store those in S3. Um, but Postgres has features for that where it won't bog down the database. It won't. It'll just store it on disk and refer to it intelligently because Postgres has a ton of momentum behind it. When we chose MySQL in 2012, they were a lot closer to Postgres and MySQL. We knew MySQL from. Working at Wufu, we had experience with it, and we just kind of went with what we knew. And sadly, you know, similar to the Wufu days when we chose Prototype over jQuery, turns out Postgres <laughs> was the jQuery uh, of the time of databases. And so we don't didn't have the momentum behind MySQL that there is behind Postgres. And the interesting thing is that to understand our issue and why we chose what we did, 
We were also on MySQL 5.6, which came out in 2013, like over eight years ago. And at that point, if we were going to upgrade to the latest version of MySQL to take advantage of that, the, it would have been the same level of effort that we had to put into moving to Postgres. So it that really was an easy choice to say, should we move to MySQL 8? Okay. And even if you did it, you wouldn't get all this other stuff, right? Like Yeah, so. we wouldn't have all the momentum. We wouldn't have all the nice little feature sets okay. that we we really enjoyed. And we also would not have the release cycle and all the effort that goes into Postgres going forward, which I'm really excited about because the Postgres community is constantly innovating. They're always extending Postgres. It's a very extensible database and that's really exciting to be able to take advantage of the cool new tools. You know, did I mention I was a magpie for tech? Like <laughs> that's one of the fun things about moving to exciting technology is there tends to be a big community around it. From a front end perspective, I know you used the, the prototype jQuery angle there. I don't know if the listeners will even remember what prototype was, but it was funny to work on a, you know, e- even while you're working on it, you know that it's like dead kind of. And that all the excitement in the industry is based on other languages. Today, it would be kind of like, I don't know, having some old school rendered app and then all of a sudden picking up React or whatever and just seeing how much like excitement and speed and energy there is behind the React ecosystem. I mean, maybe that's changing to some degree. React starting to be an old dog in a way. Yeah, maybe it's akin to like using Backbone, I don't know if you remember yeah. Backbone versus React or Vue today, you know, like it might be something akin to that where you're like, oh, yeah, I think perhaps. I kind of think we invest in the wrong tech. Here. Yeah, it's clear the industry is going the right way. So picking up Postgres is like is like getting on the right track of where the energy and excitement and, and change is happening in the industry. So if we're recapping the why, we're saying we're on MySQL 5.6. It's old. We wanted to get upgraded, you know, to something more modern for the future because that's our responsibility as, as tech people, right? So we could have picked new MySQL, but then we're looking at Postgres. That's where the enthusiasm is. Great. And we look at our tech stack and say, look at all this stuff we can consolidate, which embraces this concept of tech minimalism, which we need to have as a team of nine. We, we don't have a team of 13 just working on search who can pick their own tools for their own expertise. We don't have that. So we're going to consolidate these tools in the spirit of tech minimalism because it makes us more experts on the tools that we do use. When you have 15 tools, you're going to be a little jack of all tradesy on all 15 of those tools, even if you're really smart. And Alex, you are very good at technology, you know, lots of stuff. Still, you're going to be fragmented. You're not going to be able to dig as deep on 15 technologies as you could one. You're just going to be yeah, better. Yeah, 100%. Hundred percent. You know, and at the end of the day, like there is a core technology at CodePen that we love to work on. It's the pen editor. Anytime we're working on anything else, whether that's just maintaining some search tool or job queues or analytics or anything like that, those are all nice. It's nice to know what people are doing, what people are into via analytics, but we want to work on the CodePen experience, the core CodePen experience most of the time here. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times technology has a way of pulling you away from the things that you actually want to because there's some exploit, there's some thing that happened that you had no idea existed. You know, I spent um, a small amount of time looking at, do our containers have log4j exploits available to them? That's like a fun part of my life. And so every time you add these tools, you have no idea if there's an exploit in there. There's so much software packed into our 
what we call these big services, you know? And so it was really important to us to use the least amount of software so that we could specialize in the number one thing we like, which is the code pen experience. Heck yeah. So we're hard at working on that. And we, you know, we didn't pick it out of a hat. Not only was there some industry momentum towards this whole Postgres thing, but um, you've used it. Other people on the team have used it. There's some existing experience that we could leverage. And that gets a lot of points too around here, certainly. Yeah, we, we had some in-house expertise. It wasn't our first rodeo with Postgres. And the beauty of using a simpler system like MySQL 5.6 is that, honestly, we weren't doing much that was too fancy. A lot of the queries were very easy to migrate because we're hiding all our most of our queries behind an ORM, whether it's Rails or GORM for our Go side. So that provided a lot of value for us being able to move and make it easy. So. It was, it was still very uh, fraught with error, fraught with issues, um, move that we were worried about. But in the end, it, it did work out. It, it didn't turn out um, anywhere yeah. near what I feared it could be. Which, so that was really great. This episode of CodePen Radio is brought to you in part by WooCommerce. WooCommerce is e-commerce for your WordPress site. That could be a self-hosted WordPress site like many of mine. For example, CSS Tricks uses WooCommerce and it uses it in a number of ways. It sells physical products through the store. So it's obviously you can go to Slash Store and browse around for products. You could buy a poster. It'll arrive at your doorstep anywhere in the world. WooCommerce powers all that for me. Really cool. It also powers... Uh, digital products too. So if you want to download a digital copy of that poster or a digital book, it helps me deliver those securely. It also sells memberships to the site, locking down areas of the site only to members. Very powerful software in that way. And believe me, that's the tip of the iceberg. For WooCommerce, it can do all kinds of stuff. Um, they have, you know, it, it doesn't hurt if you use the product to subscribe to the blog of the product. <laughs> I'm a big believer in that. You know, they might as well let the company teach you what to do. Just browsing around the WooCommerce blog, there's stuff like recommended extensions from them and all kinds of advice about your store. There's good stuff in here. Uh, information about the fact that 84% of shoppers say that it's the video that convinced them to buy a product or service. Gotta have a video in there. Why don't you you know, use something like VideoPress to do that, or there's a Vimeo plugin to do that. Why not add reviews to your site? Think about the SEO of your site. There's all kinds of things you can do to improve your site. It's a new year. Maybe it's time to take stock of what's happening at your store or add a store to your site. Make a few bucks. Thanks for the support. Yeah, we need to get into the how. So let's let's do the how because that might be interesting. Like certainly one thing that was cool is we didn't we had like no downtime at all. So whatever the how was, what a miracle. Yeah, how the heck does that work? You know, so they, the Apple store goes down just because they need to put a new laptop in the in the store. You know? It's like we just changed <laughs> yeah. ten I'm, years worth of data. I'm gonna go out and let me say that's a bit of a ruse. I think they can update a website. Yeah. Uh, I don't know if you guys are onto this, but might be a little bit of a yeah. They want a, people a pressing on Apple's part. Command R. It's funny people don't. They don't want to tell you when. They always tell you when it's not their first rodeo, but every, nobody tells you when it is their first rodeo. You know, they're like, "This is my first rodeo." They know <laughs> we, we all gloss over that first rodeo. Yeah. Act like we were there. <laughs> 
So let's do the how, and then we'll tell you how it, like what was, was kind of good and bad, you know, post posted now that we have like a little bit of perspective on that. Um, I have no idea how I didn't, you know, it wasn't like you, I wasn't as in depth with this project. I'm just kind of like, I just wanted to be sure as also a co-founder of CodePen that it was worth it. And that part was so obvious by the time it was started. There were times in the past when we talked about Postgres where this was much less obvious to me and I probably would have voted against it and been like, why, Mm -hmm. why are we doing all this work? And for what exactly again? Wouldn't it be cool to work on something yeah. that anybody cares about? Yeah, CodePen, it's, it's interesting because it was scary to say, like, let's invest time in this. Every time we've ever considered, we've con- this is not the first time we've considered moving from MySQL to Postgres. Um, ironically, we always gave up on that idea because we were like, oh, that's just, it's too much work. It's too much effort. We're going to get bogged down in problems. And so the number one thing that convinced me that we could do this very easily was our ability to test this idea out in an environment that wasn't production, but was very close to production. So we invest a ton of effort into creating a high fidelity development environment locally, just on our laptops so that 95% of the features just work locally and are a pretty good recreation of what the production software is, right? So using Docker, Docker containers, and the services that we create locally, we're able to target the exact version of Postgres that we were hoping to move to, what it would be like after a move, moving all our local data from a local MySQL database to a local Postgres database that are exactly the same. So in our development environment, we moved from MySQL 5.6 to MySQL, or I'm sorry, to Postgres 13.3 was mm-hmm. the exact versions we were on. And doing that, it's very easy because you're just moving a bit of data, but then you're like, how does the app work? Does the app work almost exactly the same? How many more queries will I have to port? And so we were able to do that in just a couple of days, right? Like once we use PG Loader, which is this kind of little dev tool that we were able to use. People use it sometimes to move production data, but we didn't do that. We moved the data locally. We tested the containers, or I'm sorry, we tested our environment and said, does this work? Or, or do we have bugs galore, right? That would have scared us away. So we kind of, it's almost like a smoke test for like, should we, is it even possible to start moving? So we did that. That worked exceptionally well. I, I was convinced this is going to be a week long task. It turned a bit longer, but it was close enough. And so then we move all of this content to a, if, if the dev environment recreates like 90, 95%, the staging environment, we keep recreates like 99% of the environment. It's a, it's an AWS account that's isolated that matches one for one with everything, including the instance types that we use with what we have in production. So we keep those things in sync. We run um, an infrastructure as code tool called Pulumi that uses code to create our servers and provision them and install software, deploy software, all those things. And that's been a big undertaking in the last two years, but it's been well worth it. I can't even imagine not having that these days. I don't even, it would feel like going into the stone age of development. And so we're able to recreate our production, true production environment with production data, I actually provision the exact same size server that we want to move to 
for the MySQL database and the Postgres database, and I move a snapshot of the real database to see what it's like. Right. Right. So you're already um, 80% sure we're going to do this based on your tests in locally. And now you're 94% sure we're going to do this because it works on staging too. You're still in the right. like convince we, yourself stage at this point. Yeah. At that point, you're, you're saying, okay, how hard is this truly? Yeah. And what we had to do, the, the number one thing that's going to convince you, is this going to be okay? Is can you do it and script it, most of it? With, before you ever do anything in a real production environment. So what we did was before we ever attempted to do this move, I think I moved the data 10 to 15 times just in a production, the, the real data set, not like a fake version of the data because data, mm -hmm. when it gets very large, has different qualities and then you have to get into timing things and how long things get to move and all that. So I needed to know how long we wanted to make sure, if at all possible, that we would have no downtime. I personally felt like the most downtime I was comfortable with was 30 minutes. I just didn't want to be offline. That's just huge priority for us these days. Right, because again, um, people, you're using the app, you're hitting the save button, that data is going into a MySQL 5.6 database. So at some point, you need a strategy where that data is going into a Postgres 13.3 database. So like, yeah, <laughs> that's a weird cutover moment. So I imagine there's strategies, right? Is there a strategy in which that you're writing to both of those databases at the same time? I think we did not do that though, right? Yeah, we, our code, so one of the key components here is because we're on AWS, they have a service and I suspect there's a service like this. PG Loader is a service like this if you ever want to move from MySQL to, or from anything to Postgres. Um, but AWS itself has this service called Data Migration Service. It's one of these generic sounding things. They've had it for ages. Is it a person what it does is, or is it technology? No, it's a, it's a tech technology yeah. that okay. you pay for. And you set up and click all by yourself on, on the AWS console. And so what it does is it reads your MySQL database. It will give you the option of creating a schema or moving data from one database to the other. And this is kind of the key component here. It will also keep the data in sync. So while you continue writing to MySQL, it will continue writing and moving that new data. Oh, so it is to writing Postgres. to both kind of, but it it's writing, writing to, to one and then moving to the other. It's not writing both. Yeah, like but the, the key for us was we did not have to write that code because I was not interested in writing tons of custom code that was untested yeah. to say like, I'll just write to two databases because this is a solved problem as far as tech is concerned. There are tons of open source software that has tried to do it, tons of tech articles on how to do this. For us, what made sense was to say, we're going to use this data migration service, run it, and we knew exactly the amount of time it would take just about because we'd already done it 10 to 15 times. We'd already yeah. run the tool. What was in it our like hours, days? Tons. No, that wasn't days, surely. I think I started it in the morning. It took, realistically took about 12 hours Oof. to move all the data. And but then it stays that, in sync. It stays in that. sync. Yeah. It stays in sync. Yeah. So I'm pretty sure I like woke up 10 a.m., turn on the tool, run it. 
and then it stays in sync. And then by the time that it, I may have done it, maybe the next day, just to see that it was still, everything was staying in sync. And I could see that the delay between the large table that was always lagging, which is our pens table, mm-hmm. surprise, was about 30 seconds, 30 to 45 seconds. So this thing is really, really close to real time. It's not real time, but it's pretty close. So if you turn and it so, off, so you go down for one minute, then the Postgres one is up to date. Then you got to flip, which is like read-only mode, right? Just for us, right. just That's for a little we bit. We put ourselves into a read-only mode, which meant that we could serve content, read content. CodePen wouldn't just 404 or 500 when you reach the site, but you couldn't write anything, couldn't save anything. You couldn't sign up to the site for that one minute of time. One, one so, minute. But you do have to prepare for that. That was code that we had to write, right? A little bit. Yeah, we we did write that code. We wrote a little checker at a choke point where we save everything that says, if this flag is on, do not save, reject the save. And we warned users. I see. So you don't have to visit 50 areas of the site that's like, when you leave a comment, write code. When you leave a heart... Write it when you yes. do a fork. Yeah, that's you know, which would be a nightmare, right? Right. Like the amount of touch points where you write code. So a choke uh, point the is a cool way to put that. Too much. Yep. And so what we did was to say, okay, we're going to do it at this choke point. We're going to make it configurable dynamically. Like we're not deploying new code to get it out there because that would be a 10, 15 minute affair. I was literally on a server and I updated like a Redis value that says, you know, read only true, false. Nice. And so... At that point, imagine that we have the two databases in sync. And what we did was we stood up a parallel set of web servers. And those web servers... Were already reading from Postgres, right? Yeah, they're already reading from Postgres. So I could actually go visit that site and see if we were up and running according to the web servers, but they were hidden at the time. And so once I knew that those servers were serving the site correctly, I could put CodePen into read-only mode, which meant no one's writing anything. Then I go to Cloudflare, which is our kind of where you, when you enter CodePen, the CodePen infrastructure world, Mm -hmm. you're hitting Cloudflare. Cloudflare is hitting our AWS account. At that point, they have a 60 second, 30 second delay in switching internally. And so they switch. I now see that our new servers are getting traffic. I'm like watching analytics and stuff inside of AWS. Once that's all hunky-dory, it seems well. We're not getting any big errors because at that point, we still have the option of switching back to MySQL. So this is the key, mm-hmm. right? There's a kind of a point of no return. The moment you remove read-only mode and you're on Postgres, you've hit the point of no return because we're writing from MySQL to Postgres. We're not doing the opposite. We're not going the other way. Not doing the opposite, right? That is no return then. Once people have saved some pens that are uniquely on Postgres, ooh, that would suck to go back. It'd be really hard, right? That's over. Yeah. Yes. And so that was like a big concern for me. I was like, I don't want to... I could have written... I could have had another database migration service that could write the other way. But I was like, mm. we'll just roll forward. Yeah. <laughs> if I flubbed it at this point where I've had a staging environment, I've run this thing 15 times. It's the hope is, okay, it's going to be a small error. I'm going to be able to fix that error, if anything. 
and it won't, it'll be okay, but we won't lose any data. And of course, we're taking snapshots at all the right time. So at that point, we're moving over to Postgres. We finally remove read-only mode once Cloudflare has switched over to our new web servers. And that's it. We're done. Like, woo! It was pop the champagne then. a lot more detailed than that. Yeah, it's not yeah. quite pop. We didn't have a pop champagne moment because at that moment you're still reading logs, you're looking at sentry errors, you're looking at dashboards to make sure yeah. that this is real, that you truly are on the new database. Um, and that was kind of surreal to realize, okay, we're literally on a new database. We've talked, I, I mean, the number of times we've actually had the the, the real, like, I think we might be moving to Postgres discussion over eight years is like I mean, three or four times at least that I can remember. Um, and where we always pulled out and to know that it was, it worked, we didn't have to go down. That was huge for us. And we, a lot of planning went into that. I think for four days straight, the only thing I thought about was moving this data. I had a very detailed design doc. We have a lot of services that was the highlights of how it went, but there was a lot of other services that maybe needed to move to Postgres prior to that, um, that could deal with the delay in real time. So we moved a bunch of other small services um, mm -hmm. that read from our database, but don't actually write to it as often. And so it was great. We did celebrate a tiny, tiny bit. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, but you got to move from the office to the couch. There were a couple tiny things that you know, it's great. That's right. That's right. With my laptop. With your laptop. But it was great. <laughs> it was great. In the end, we moved. We moved prior to the deadline that I had given myself. I was. He and I were both about to go on maternity, paternity leave, and I knew that I did not want to come back to a code pen where this was going to be a focus. I knew I wanted to be have this ready to go and we could just start developing all our new features using Postgres. It's been amazing. We now have uh, the pens table back where we can add columns and remove columns. That was a lot of our content. This is kind of a badly designed table, so it's massive and we could never touch it if we ever wanted to add a column or remove a column. Um, and yeah, this we can do that big. now. We can this start moving forward. Right. So we see, let's say you've metaphorically popped the champagne. This is a moment that we didn't talk about earlier in the show, right? That's so huge. I know this is huge for you because you've told me over and over and over. Back when we were on MySQL 5.6, if we wanted to add just something as simple as add a column to the pens table, it was, you know, it, it was basically a no. I mean, I'm sure we could have found some technological way to do it, but it was kind of like, extremely non-trivial, which now is what? Extremely trivial? Is it that? Is it's it extreme. It's a, it's just like, it's a migration like any other. Adding a column is what column do you want to add? What column do you want to drop? It's very simple. And is that just the miracle of Postgres? Is it just, it's just miles ahead of SQL technology? Yeah, I, I, I suspect it's the miracle of like modern Databases. I suspect that if we were on MySQL 8.0 or MariaDB, the latest yeah. version of that, um, it wouldn't be so bad either. Yeah. Other Microsoft technology, whatever it might be, it wouldn't be that bad. But like for us, you have to understand we were on this very old version of MySQL that would lock up the entire table just to add that column. And it was a real problem for us. We couldn't move forward. We, we developed weird things like having a parallel table that was easily searchable 
and would was gave us quick access to certain columns that we'd use all the time. Um, that was a maintenance headache. And so we were able to get rid of all of these things. I got rid of the, I don't know if you remember the item metadata table, which was crazy. You know, we, we were able to just do away with things. <laughs> so it's just gone. You killed that table because you just pulled it back into where it should have been to begin with. Exactly. Yeah, yeah we no longer awesome. have to worry about things like that. It's already where you can see us. My favorite idea in software is something I, I have no idea if this is known to the world or something I call what I call it, but I call it compaction. It's like when you take the ideas that you fleshed out and you start to make them smaller and tighter and they're just sturdier, they're better. It's like adding an arch to a pass through, right? It supports a lot more because you figured out a solution that really works for you. And so for us, we know what we want. We know the columns we want to query and we can start removing a lot of this kind of cruff that builds up over time. And it makes it a lot easier to work with the code pen code base and maintain it and everything else. Nice. So let's do the bullet points real quick on like what, what really made this, we, I think we covered the why and how pretty well. So what like really enabled this as a possibility? You mentioned that that amazing tool, the AWS migration service thing probably couldn't have done it without that. Right. We also definitely like they're both relational databases, right? So you have to, you, you still write queries, but we don't, most of our queries are not handwritten, right? They're behind an abstraction that was able to make this more possible. Yeah. So, you know, like a lot of developers these days, we we write a fair amount of SQL queries nowadays because I think I rather enjoy in this experience. We've been cleaning up our database for a couple of years now and cleaning things up and using more powerful features just that are just baked into SQL itself. But for the most part, when you're looking at typical save, update, read, delete, those kinds of things. Um, we're using an object relational manager like Rails or GORM in the uh, Golang world. And that hides most of the queries. And those things are able to, under the covers, adapt to the database that you're yeah, using. You just and be like, I use Postgres now. SQL. And it's like, okay, I'll just change my yep. internal syntax to cor correct that. Yeah, that's amazing. You mentioned Pulumi, so that helps because you know you can you're you're coding out. You're not clicking buttons and remembering what you clicked, right? You're coding it out and scripting it. So that's cool. You're not. You don't have to remember that you set like a that you provision eight servers that scale up to fifteen at this CPU threshold. It's all just kind of provisioned for me. Um, with a few code changes. So we will branch our code base, submit it to our CI, and it'll automatically take care of creating the infrastructure because that's just something that we've invested a lot of effort into. Um, and it's absolutely amazing when you finally move to automating and managing the infrastructure with something like that. You don't even know how you would do it otherwise because it gives you the certainty that you know you have a one-for-one -one match of the other infrastructure that you're replacing. And that was very key in this yeah, that's solution. Really cool. You mentioned the choke point, which just meant that we weren't writing sprawling code all over our code base to handle this. You kind of handled it at one unique level. That would have sucked to handle. So it's interesting how many things are on this checklist that really had to come together to make it possible. And then not only was it possible with no downtime, but the whole project took two weeks. That's impressive. Right. I'm sure there's companies that are a year are a year deep into their theoretical database change, you know. Whereas this was pr pretty much light speed. Yeah, and that that was critical for us because one of the things that we have is we have 
100% control of where the data is stored. We're not, we didn't have to go through red tape. We didn't have to get approvals for certain services. Like if you have a typical kind of IT department where you have different groups, different teams that are in control, it's going to be really hard to get everyone on the same page and say, oh yeah, we all want to move to Postgres. Let's, let's cut a branch right now and do, do everything. <laughs> Whereas we're able to look at the whole thing see the entire landscape, hold it in our heads and say, okay, I know that there are, you know, six services that'll be need to be modified, but if they don't look at scary, um, I'm also eternally optimistic and just assume we'll get it done, <laughs> which is being naive almost helps in this situation. Like this was my first rodeo. It's the first time I'd ever moved a, a extremely you large heard it here first. First rodeo. <laughs> was that the first, first rodeo? I think it was. <laughs> first first rodeo yeah i think so amazing a lot of first here so in doing that you know you almost have to be naive because it was more work than i expected but it wasn't as bad looking back on it and i'm over the moon happy that we're done with it we just get to write some code pen um because as much as i love data storage it's not really the point of why we work here so right so you know what they say about podcasts too you should always end it on a bummer here so let's try to go Real quick, and (laughs) (laughs) what do we? We should have stopped that first first rodeo. I'm sorry, guys. (laughs) The uh, is there anything that was a? I mean, there was other stuff that wasn't mentioned here. Like obviously, there was some degree of testing and such to for data integrity and stuff. We don't want to find out. There's like, oh, turns out all pens from March 2017 were mangled or something. You know, there's (laughs) integrity happening here. But there, I think you mentioned there even was one kind of. Like it's, it's, it's tricky. Even with the migration, there was yeah, some kind the, of problem. Yeah. There was one data snafu where like I misunderstood some of the documentation around data migration service, where it was asking, saying, if you have a text type column, do you want to have a limit on the size of the column? And I just, the way they described it was a language that I didn't understand. And I assumed that we didn't that it wasn't referring to a text site. It said something about binary column, which I misunderstood. Mm. Um, and so in the end, we had some snafus. You know, We weren't experts at using the data migration service and we weren't experts at Postgres. We also opted not to bring in consultants um, because of the time frame. And at the end of the day, that helped us, but that's also the kind of thing that may just be impossible in your world, if you have a certain amount of data, um, but not having some of those things and not having that deep expertise of saying, oh, well, we do this every day, like the way you can get with a data consultant, someone who does these moves all the time was uh, kind of hurt us a little bit in the, in those small details. But I felt confident enough that like, okay, everyone on the team that's really deeply involved in this move has read these things. We seem like we know what we're doing. There's only so much hand-holding we're going to get out of this. Let's let's go for it. And yeah. that's kind of like the code pen way, honestly. So Yeah, kind of. Uh, yeah. We, we have a habit of doing those things that way. And then fix it, you know. So you there was a little data snafu. You get the old data, fixed it, not a problem anymore. And anywhere there's some c- kind of custom SQL, that was an issue too, right? Well, uh, go fix it, you know. I, I think those were probably a little bit more identified. But there's, you know, even Marie writes custom SQL for dashboards and stuff and then had to go back and basically learn what the differences are within the Postgres syntax and rewrite them. But 
hey, big deal. You know, you learn. Yeah. And yeah, we, and I knew there would be some snafus after the fact. There were some queries that I'd forgotten to port over. I mean, even we recently had to run a query to get, you know, the top 100 pens of the year. Oh, yeah. Because you wrote that SQL modified. Query, you know, what? Yeah. Years and yeah, years ago. Yeah. That was custom SQL. So we're still, there's still some odds and ends that we're taking care of here and there, but like it was, good enough to the point where we felt like we got 99% of the changes in. And if we failed to, if we missed something, it was because it was very small and we knew we weren't going to lose anyone's data. And that was like critical to us here. Um, We really make that a big point. We have backups across the way and we push forward and now we get to just, you know, revel in our data store and and enjoy it. You know, it's, it's very lavish in there. We have a lot of space. I like that word. I think it is a morale improvement. You know, I think it's nice to see you kind of happy with where our database, you know, wouldn't that be a bummer if you you were coming back from paternity leave and stuff and just being in this bummer place where, you know, there's this big project that you either need to do or that we're resigned to never making that move because now we're too deep into new, you had a kind of now or never spirit to it and never would have been a, a morale hit i think certainly yeah and we would have still been living with the quirks you know it's like even though you don't have to pay this big upfront cost of doing this move and all those things and it's always you always have to weigh the pros and cons like at the end of the day we're over the moon happy with the move we no longer pay the the weird cost of not being able to like move data and not being able to like read modern documentation on the way your database works you know the having to google for things that happened in 2020 14 was a very annoying thing, you know, like when you're searching for how to solve a problem and you're trying to figure out whether or not your database has that feature. Most of the time it doesn't, you know, there's little, all these little things that happen in your day. And that's huge for us because now we get to just look at what the industry is doing, the way people are solving problems today. And it's, it's been pretty magical from that perspective. So we're, we're pretty stoked and pretty stoked to not think about databases, not have to worry about them as much because we're happy with our solution and we're just going to move forward from there. Yeah, man, rock and roll. Very positive change. I I applaud it. I remember the the jubilance when this thing went well and it was a cool way to kind of send you off on paternity leave and send off, you know, it was kind of before the holidays and all that. So, yay, it's done. Yeah, it, was, it was huge. Let's do something more fun. Enjoy, Let's move on everyone. to the next really <laughs> super hard technical problem we're trying to solve, you know. yeah that that seems to be the way uh but the next one is super fun yeah and very public facing so that's the best part yeah i actually would love to share our software with people we can't Uh really share you you can't really bring your own two years of this podcast where we're like this is an internal thing you're never you're never gonna notice (laughs) it's internal only someday yeah just it should just warm your heart that we're on postgres yeah it's we'd like to stop doing those kinds of podcasts all right man uh thanks everybody for listening uh we'll talk to you all later bye 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 y'all